people they would get uh, they would have kesef shtarubia and they would be uh, they would have erison and they were married but they weren't living together yet because they had needed time to set up their house and they would complete that process with the nisuin later so the question was she's married to a kohen and being the wife of a kohen she's entitled to eat truma uh and the uh, Truma was cheaper, and, and especially probably her father with Israel had Truma around the house, would be happy to give it to her. So could she eat Truma or not? So uh, we mentioned that Minah Torah, most people agree that even though she's just engaged, that's, she's legally enough the wife of a Kohen that she could eat Truma. But the question was a rabbinic reason why not to eat Truma. And so we said two different rabbinic reasons. One uh, when there's only had engagement, they might discover things when they marry her that'll break the deal. Meaning that engagement, they could be somewhat strangers. And when they marry, he'll find out that she's missing a leg, you know, or she's uh, uh, something that he really didn't know that's a deal breaker. So the word for the deal breaker was called a simpone. He'll find that she's got simpone, uh, something that was going to. And therefore, if she ate truma until now, assuming the marriage was going to go through, you never really know until they move in together that uh, it's everything that he, uh, nothing that was mysteriously hidden under the clothing or the, I mentioned to you, there was a famous rabbi that he met his wife, she was standing on a bench so that they wouldn't notice how short she was. Uh, Listen, today they use high heels, you know, it's the same thing. It's a, uh, we, we, uh, that's not really a simpone if, uh, you know, but sometimes, a husband discovers things he didn't know uh, when they were just engaged. Uh, and, he, and she discovers things that she didn't know. The question is, do we have to suspect they'll find a simpone that retroactively they weren't engaged and she, she would have been a Yisrael eating truma, which is forbidden. The other logic that we mentioned was Ula's reasoning that if you, she's going to be eating truma in her parents' house, she's going to share it with her siblings. Uh, and that's too dangerous, so therefore we didn't allow that. So we were right in the middle of that discussion at the bottom of the page on 10b. Um, the question was, uh, the, the, uh, there was a letter back and forth between Shimon ben Bagbag and uh, the other rabbi in the Tzivim, that was the... Um, Rabbi Yehuda ben Beseira was in Nitzivim, and it was Yochanan ben Bagbag. We've got to get our players right. And the question was, can we learn out from the... Um, there's another place where we allow somebody to eat truma. That's the shifcha. If you buy a maidservant, uh, she's allowed to eat. A Kohen buys a maidservant, she's allowed to eat truma. And so uh, the question was, uh, why don't you say the same logic over there that uh, you, the, uh, he, until he takes the maidservant home, he may find out, uh, there's discovery, he's going to find out that maybe she's got something that she's not such a good servant. And then she wouldn't be allowed to eat truma. So there should be a similar factor, and we don't seem to worry about that simpone over there. So let's... Um, that was the question here. Um... um Trying to find a good spot to start over here. Uh, let's see. Um, so it's on the bottom. Uh, Ravine, Ravine, how far up is that? Uh, okay. 
last word of the line, Ravina. Ten lines, so. It's about the last word on the line, Ravina. Ravina, okay. There it is. All right, let's start from Ravina. Twelve lines up. Yeah, that's as good a place as any. Ravina Omar. Uh, so he, he said, Midiraisa Mifshib Shitale. He says, everybody agrees. Minatorah de Ochlo. When a woman is engaged to a Kohen, uh, and it's a Torah engagement, and she's that, at that point, she's one with him, and she's entitled to Yitruma. And the whole discussion that between uh, the Rabbi Yehuda ben Beseira and Yochanan ben Bagbag uh, was uh, only in rabbinic law. And what was the discussion in rabbinic law? This is what... Uh, he sent back. Uh, he sent to Rav Yudah Misera, I heard that you let this woman eat. And why aren't you worried about this rabbinic problem that maybe this lady has simpon and they didn't tell anyone and the whole thing will be called off. So Shokhole, and he sent back. And you, you're a smart fellow. Wouldn't you agree with me? It's an interesting way. It makes it very hard to argue on somebody when he gives you a compliment. Somebody is brilliant of you, like you, surely know this logic, right? You're an expert. We were talking about this, the rooms in Torah. You know how to open all the hidden rooms. Uh, Michael shared with us that he was once in a house that had a, um, a pondering room, is what you called it? That's what he called it. Okay. Okay. So there, were, there are people that have all, know all the rooms, okay? Don't you know that when somebody purchases a shivkananis? Now, if they were to live with this woman, now, you know, we're with somebody who, who lives with the shivka, if we find out about it and he's warned, but unfortunately, uh, the nature of it was, as we know from the South, um, that um, it was relatively common that the masters took advantage of the female slaves. Uh, there was a high percentage of the, the, the black people that are today are from mixed part, you know, the masters had, had children through, the, uh, uh, through these black slaves. And... Uh, the rule is, if the master had tried out this female servant before he purchased her, that um, that wouldn't uh, that wouldn't uh, he wouldn't acquire her through that. Even though being intimate with the wife acquires a wife, being intimate with the servant doesn't acquire her. She ain't biyasumachil betruma. That she, uh, even though he promises he's going to keep her and he likes her and he had relations with her, that wouldn't allow her to eat truma. Kaspa machil betruma. But if he paid for her. Uh, that would make her eat truma. And we're not afraid that uh, he's going to find something. Uh, the assumption here is that when they have relations, their clothes come off and they see things that they wouldn't have known and they're living together, whereas until that point, they might still discover something uh, that they don't know. But uh, we, we don't seem to worry that if he paid for her, that they'll be simple. A regular wife once they have intimacy, she can eat truma. If they got engaged with money, certainly she should be allowed to eat truma And we're not worried that there's some mysterious secret thing. Rashi says simpon means a deal breaker. There'll be a deal breaker. Something that's going to say, I, there's no way I'm going to marry this woman or there's no way I'm going to keep this servant. Uh, we don't, we're not afraid of such a thing. But what are we going to do? Really, when you get engaged with money, she's Mrs. Cohen. If a Cohen gets engaged to a woman at that point, she should be able to eat. 
But the reason that she doesn't, why did the sages say that she doesn't? Mishum de Ula. That was the reason that we had before of Ula that she'll share it with her siblings. Uben Bagbag. So, and uh, Ben Bagbag, why did he disagree with that? Simponi, uh, that, that, that couldn't we learn uh, that we're not worried about the Simpon problem? The answer is because Simpon Bavadim Lesle. He says that uh, you're not married to your slaves. So, you don't, we're not afraid that you'll have a major problem with uh, buying a servant. When you take a wife, you might f- discover something that's uh, a deal breaker. But when you buy a servant, we're not afraid. You put the money down, we're not afraid there'll be a deal breaker. Why? They generally would uh, check out the slave before they took possession of it? Ah, so that's exactly what we're saying. Because if it's uh, something that you could see on the outside, uh, you could see that. He must have accepted it. Um, people that buy cars at auction know these type of things. You know, like you could, there's certain, you know, they test out, they can see the obvious things, right? What about the hidden things? So, my I mean, uh, why would he care if with their clothes off there are things that, that don't look so nice? He's putting her to work. Who cares what's under the clothes? As long as they work good. You know, that's the, so servants, servants were not afraid there'll be a deal breaker. So Morris says, well, what about if you find out Nimsa Ganavo Kavustas? What about if you're afraid to find out the servant is a thief? I mean, that's not real pleasant. Uh, that's the big problem a lot of people have with cleaning help or other stuff is when the jewelry starts disappearing or other things. You know, it's, uh, that's the number one, you know, they've got to make sure they don't steal stuff. That's not, so what happens if you buy a servant and they've got sticky fingers? So my amis. So the answer is, well, hagio means... Um, it's not surprising that that's, uh, you know, in hotels, if you leave cash in the room, it's like, you can't expect that it's not going to disappear. You're not supposed to leave cash sitting on the, you know, it's like almost, well, what do you mean? I, I, I don't want to be stolen from, no, but what do you expect? If you leave cash, you know, that's the, uh, so also with servants, the fact that they are petty thieves, uh, that's to be expected, so to speak. In that class of people that you're buying, Rashi says four lines from the top, Harahu Shalom, um, you, you bought her, and the fact that she steals, has sticky fingers, that's not a reason that would allow you to, to break the deal, because the Stam Evid Ganavu. The average Evid, if you leave the cash out, that's what's going to happen. So uh, the Gemara says, well, my Amrus, what are you going to say? Maybe he's not just a sticky finger guy. Maybe he's least in Mizuyim. He's an armed robber. He's one of these robbers that kills people. So, oh, Nick the Malchus. Or maybe you're going to find out he's on the most wanted list. Uh, so the Morris said, Hanukola Ispahu. Their, their, their pictures are in the post office. You know, there's a, everybody knows if they, uh, you know, if they are the uh, extreme cases, then they're well known. So, uh, therefore, the, to prove from the fact that a, if you put money down on a servant that the servant's allowed to eat and we're not afraid of the simple problem, wouldn't prove that a fiancé, we're not afraid of the simple problem. Because he read uh, Shimon ben, um, uh, ben Bagbag, he held, why do I keep saying Shimon? Yochanan ben Bagbag. Yochanan ben Bagbag held that the fact that servants were not afraid is because you're just, you're not living with them. You're just putting them to work and you'll be able to know the obvious things. And most of the non-obvious things are not deal breakers. Whereas it could be that we suspect until a person's married that they might run into a deal breaker and therefore they should hold off. 
So the Morris said, uh, but what's the difference over here? What the reason is they don't eat truma? Bain Lamar, Bain Lamar, lo oko. I mean, at the end of the day, whether it's because she'll share with her siblings or whether we'll find a deal breaker, she, you, she's not supposed to eat. So my benayo, what would the difference be? So the Morris says, we came up with three cases that there'd be a difference. Kibol, Masar, Vahola. Let's see, Rashi, what are these three cases? Kibol, Masar, Vahola. Kibol, Alav, Esamumin. If Mishum Simpon Lecha, Mishum Deulik. If you say you don't mind somebody that has a peg leg, or you don't mind somebody that has uh, uh, pockmarks, or whatever, whatever the kind of thing is that you're afraid that you'll discover once you take them home. So if you, uh, if a person said, they are willing to uh, buy them or marry them regardless of those blemishes. So then we're not afraid that when they get married, they're going to say, wait a second, I didn't bargain for this. Because kibble means they accepted, uh, they accepted any kind of blemishes. Yeah. So that's one case that there'd be, uh, so the only reason would be like Ula because of the, uh, the relatives. Or Musser means that she's no longer living at home. Uh, Musr means she took the journey, she's on the way to her fiancé's home. Av Or, and then the third one was, Holach o shaholcha shluchei av im shluchei abal. Or the, uh, the father's messengers went with the shluchei abal. So in all these cases, the brothers and sisters aren't there. Uh, since they're not there, we could finish that Rashi. Rashi, Musr av l'shluchei abal. Either the father gave her to her, um, she's left home and she's going with her husband's uh, or even if they went with them, he still might discover something when she gets there, but that she's going to share it with her siblings, that wouldn't happen. Because her brothers and sisters, they're not coming with her when she makes that trip to get married. So then if, uh, there'd be no problem of brothers and sisters, but there would be a problem of simpon. So uh, there are scenarios where there's one of the problems and not the other. Okay, now we go back to the Mishnah. That we started 11 days ago. Uh, okay, uh, actually uh, 10. Uh, the, uh, we learned in the Mishnah the debate about how much money is needed if you get married with money. So we said, Beis Hillel said a pruta or the a shava pruta, the equal, the equivalence of a pruta. And Beis Shammai said a dinner uh, or which is a, is a greater amount. A pruta is, is a copper coin. Uh, a dinner is a silver coin. So according to Beis Shammai, in order to, to get engaged, to make the uh, minimum amount, has to be a silver coin. So my time at the Beis Shammai, wh- what's the argument about? Why does Beis Shammai say you need a larger coin? So Om Shekain Ishemak Atmo. Reb said, women are, uh, they have their dignity. They ain't miskadeshes v'pachos medinner. You can't get a self-respecting woman for less than a dinner. It's just not, uh, she's, she's not fully, you know, you give her the Cracker Jack ring, that only goes so far. She doesn't really have in mind. I don't know if I told you, I tell you the Bisley case? Rav Asher Weiss had a case where two Israelis were there, and they're sitting there, and they're eating Bisley, and the, the man pulls out a, a Bisley, like a ring, oh, yeah, yeah, and he yeah. says, hurry up, Mekadosh's leave, but Bisley zoo, and he puts it on her finger, and she eats it. That's, it's like the you know man woman thing to do, so he says, oh, so you you accepted it, you know, so they're married, right? She ate the ring. <laughs> 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 well, it's not worth a pretend, right? So, uh, uh, 
So I, I don't. He, he didn't say that. Well, I was also wondering if it was worth a pruta, but neither one of them was serious over there. Like in the cases we had, the man was serious, but the woman wasn't really accepting his. You know, she just said, "Give, give," right? So, but uh, uh, but at any rate, that is the uh, a self-respecting woman would not get engaged for a bisley. You know, it's just even though there's uh, this is just the uh, down payment, so to speak, to lock them in, even if they like the guy. Uh, but this Kenyan, you, there, you, there has to be a minimum value. That's Beis Shammai's opinion. Okay. Omer Le'abai, Elamiyata. Well, if that's true, if that's the logic in Beis Shammai, it has to do with what the women expect. Um, in some places, if you're dealing with the women from um, the five towns, or so, let's just pick a place where they, the standard is a little higher, uh, like the daughters of Rabbi Yanai, the captain of Nafshayu. Those women, you know, in certain places, uh, what, what works out of town isn't going to work in the, in the big cities. You need to pay the big bucks. You're going to have to use gold to get engaged over there. So if the issue is how, uh, in that society, how much the minimum requirements to get engaged, it should depend on uh, the kind of women you're talking about. So Hanami. And not only that, if you get a woman if you get a woman that's willing to take one zoos from somebody else, you want to tell me it's a problem? Because if it has to do with whether they mind, there'll be some people that don't mind and some people that mind more. So, uh, I wasn't talking about where they accepted it. Where they said, for to mirror you, I would take anything, right? Or that we're not talking about that. We're talking about it was all done at night. She doesn't know how much money they gave her. Um, the next morning, she's going to see what he gave me that. What a cheapskate, you know? Or inami uh, Or she sent somebody to pick up the ring. So in those cases, Beishabe says self-respecting women need to have at least a dinner. Rabbi Yosef, so that's reason number one. Now, uh, another reason. He says it's a different reason. The reason of... Rabbi, yeah. Mm-hmm. In that case that you just said, it's almost like the story of Yaakov and Leah. In the next morning, she finds out that he, she, gave, he, she got so much less that she was not happy with it, didn't accept it, but they already uh, were together. So right, right, right. Or are they not married? So this is talking about just the engagement. So they're, they're not going to live together for another year. So... Oh. So, okay, but, okay. you know, she sends her messenger to pick up the money or, or the L'chaim was at night and they handed her the money and the next morning she looks at it and, the, you know, what? Is all I get is a penny? <laughs> we also said that the Aresins considers that they're married and she would need a divorce. So what would happen in that case? Would he have to divorce her? She said no. Would she have to get again? If what? If he, have her, uh, if, he'd have to just pay extra money. So according to Beishame, she's not engaged. So he could now, uh, he'd have to do it again, I guess. Or if, and if she changed her mind or she found somebody better, uh, he'd be out of luck. I, even though he proposed to her, he didn't give her the minimum amount. So, so uh, she wouldn't need to get them because uh, they, mm-hmm. weren't, they weren't... They were married, according to Beishamai, right. Um, but now we're saying a new reason. So again, the first, the first opinion said it had to do with a woman's dignity or what she's willing to accept. The second opinion, uh, which is... Uh, uh, which is Rev Yosef Omer Tami the Beishami Kerihuda Omer Ravasi the Omer of Yudah Omer Ravasi Kola Kesa Omer Torah Kesef Suri. He says the Torah mentions getting married. When the Torah mentions money, what type of money is it? 
So his opinion is it's the Tyronian money. I don't know enough about why the in the old day, Tyro, I believe it was in Lebanon. That was the financial center of the Middle East. That's where they had the currency values. But, uh, but basically, it was a silver coinage. And so, therefore, if the Torah said you get married and you have to give a coin, it meant silver. Now, when the rabbis discussed things, they, uh, people already had pennies of copper. Uh, and so a rabbinic thing could be Kesa Medina. That could even be the local uh, pennies that were used. It doesn't have to be the silver currency. So now the Gemara is going to examine the Torah passages that deal with money and see if that's true, that they were always silver, or maybe a penny also would satisfy a Torah requirement. That's really the overall question right now. There is a Rashi. Um, let's do the Rashi, although I'm, I'm certainly not an expert in this coinage uh, issues. Vishal Divrayim Kesa Medina. The rabbinic ones was the, the regular monetary system used uh, around the country in the, in the uh, poorer places. The Kaman Mephorish Lekesa Medina, what was the common one? Shminis Shebeke, it's one-eighth. In other words, the copper penny is an eighth of the silver penny, the, the smallest silver coin. So, Im uh, and if it's the, the coinage is a sella, it's an eighth of a sella. I wonder today what the... Um, if you compared silver prices to copper prices, anybody, any investments, anybody knows it. But in those times, it was an eighth difference. It was, in other words, silver was eight times the value of copper. The im dinner who shmini sheb dinner, suri. And if it's a dinner, so the copper one would be an eighth. Hilka pruta lo matzilamema, and uh, you can't get engaged with a pruta lefi sheishol nechoshes. That's a copper one. Ubitsuri and matbeishol nechoshes leka. And in the Torah currency that's discussed, they didn't have copper coinage. Ubekdushin kesef ksiv, it mentions the word kesef, the high kika kika gemiri, we learn out from the, the Ephron, kivna the afki semipruta, and since it's not a pruta, alma midi chashivas boy, ukmea dinner, and the next possible coinage it would be, would be the dinner. So that's what the Gemara wants to say, that there's two different currencies, and the, the, the common currency had, had pennies, but the Tyronian currency didn't. <clears throat> and so therefore, the Torah, when the Torah uses that word, it's speaking about that Tyronian Kesev Suri. And so therefore, the minimum has to be a dinner. Back to the Gemara. Gufa, Rav Yudah, Marathi, Kol Kesem, Torah, Kesev Suri. That any time, any other passage of the Torah also has to be this silver currency, Vishaldi Rehem, Kesev Medina. And when the rabbi spoke of currency, then that was whatever was used in the country. For who is that true? What about the following? Um, so there's a concept if, if people have an argument in the marketplace that you can make the other side swear. So that's called te'ina, where the, uh, you have a claim against another person, a taina. That's that word taina. The, you don't want to have the, uh, the word, don't have tainas on me. You don't have complaints. You have a te'ina. That guy was supposed to do his job, and he didn't. And so we put him on the witness stand. So what's the minimum amount? I mean, uh, uh, if you gave him something of a, that had a, was worth a penny, and he, he, uh, you're accusing him. So there's a minimum amount. The, uh, the complaint has to be at least for two silver coins. And if he admits part, uh, that's another case where he swears, where he admits you're partially right or you owe something, that's the Shevapruta. So over there, that's a, um, that sh- uh, should be a Torah coinage, and it's not. 
So the Gemara said, "Hasam domen akelim." Over there, it, it's uh, the reason it, we're not dealing with a, a single silver coin and dealing with double because it mentions plural. My kelim shnayim af kesef shnayim. So there, it, it, the Torah mentions a plural, so it's more than one coin. My kesef davar chashiv, and just like the money is uh, something significant, af kelim davar chashiv. So even though over there it doesn't seem to fit our currency rule. That's because uh, it talks about at least two, and it's dealing with not the cheapest currency, but something even stronger. So now we're going to try to ask from a different uh, currency mentioned in the Torah by Meiser. The rule is uh, you have to take your tithe up to Yerushalayim, and you might not be ready to do it. You might want to wait for the holidays, or you might want to wait till you finish the harvest before you take up the initial part. So what you would do is you would redeem it on money. It says that you can redeem it on money. Over there, it says you can use pennies. You can do. You can use copper coins to uh, for your uh, to uh, to redeem your produce or your wheat on the on the copper coins. And I thought we said Torah things. You're not allowed to use copper. It's got to be fancy coinage. The Gemara said that's different because it says kesef ha kesef riba. The Torah seems to imply any money over there, not just the the fancy money. So you could use your penny collection to redeem your uh, the farmer is allowed to use his pennies because kesef kesef riba. Okay, so that is not a question on our rule about the uh, currency the Torah discusses. Well, what about hektish? You see, us in a kesef kamlo, you redeem it. What about if you buy back your hegdish with pennies? So if we're going to say that for a Torah currency you can, it has to be silver, then how can you use the pennies? So the Gemara says, that's no question. That also is learned out from Meiser. And we said, Meiser, we have a reboy any money. So again, so far we've had a few examples I, we've said, and we made a statement that Beis Shammai, you must get married with silver and not with copper because it's a, the Torah speaks of money and the Torah's money is not the copper pennies, it's the silver. And so we ask questions from the, these two cases, three cases of the, uh, of the claims of the money and of the, uh, of the Meiser money and uh, of the Hegdish. And all three cases, we don't seem to be following that rule. And we said those three cases were all different. I the more says by Kedusha Isha. What about when you get married? And uh, we learn out from the buying of, of land from Ephron, the Tanan Basilo says Puta Shabra Puta. So the problem here is that Basil doesn't is um it, it, this famous rule that the Torah uh, only deals in, in silver is only Beishamai. And we always hold like Basil. So do you mean to tell me that Rev Asi came out like Beishamai? That's always the wrong side of the argument. You never want to be fitting in on the Beishamai side. So our question now is, according to that view, that the logic of Beishamai is because of an interpretation of the Psukim and the Torah, that it's always silver currency. So does that mean that Rev Asi was on the wrong side of the Halacha, was only going in Beishamai? So the Gemara said, Eliyitmar, if you learned it, Hachiyitmar. This must be how it was learned. Now, this is an Ella, which means we're redefining what our original rule was. And that rule is, really, the Torah sometimes speaks of pennies. 
and there are copper pennies. That's if the Torah doesn't specify an amount of money. But if the Torah specifies a certain coinage, then it's silver. That was the rule that he said. Called Ketzuf Katsuf. That's the new word we have. Katsuf means a set price. So then, Kesef Suri, then it's the Tyronian currency of silver. Vishal Divrehem and Rabbinic, uh, they use the Kesef Medina. So now the more, so the, uh, that, then it comes out that, it, that it's not just like um, uh, Beis Shammah, even Beis Hillel could agree, because marriage, it doesn't specify how much. It just says Kesef. Okay. It's about 1 to 100 today. Really? 20, okay. 24 cents an ounce for copper and $24.42 cents for silver. Wow. To a hundred, I guess that's why that they don't use silver anymore in coins because it's like silver is so expensive. Yeah. So one eighth is uh, that's like a um, yeah. How much is silver now? Twenty four, twenty four something. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for checking that. Okay. We just we got to check on what where the current difference between the silver and the copper coins are. I wonder if the gold is also if there's if is there like a uniform difference between the three or the I'm not giving you there what. Gold's probably $2,000 right now. Uh-huh. I see. Okay. So um, now the Mora has a question. Um, uh, my, if that's true, that when we're talking, that he's referring to the amounts of the Torah that we're typically using silver coins, that's already been learned. Every Kohen knows that, by the way. If you're a coin and you do pigeon a bend, they're supposed to give you the silver, the silver coin. Because uh, today, the American coins, uh, the silver dollars aren't all silver, which... I remember when people got very upset about that. Why are you calling them silver dollars if they're not, you know, that doesn't... Uh, but in the old days, they were. And so typically people that redeem their, their firstborn son, they either have to get the very old silver dollars where they really were silver, or they use a lot of them. And there's like a certain... I think this... I used to know this... Um, seven, I think, or nine, or whatever. You, if you, it depends on which dollars you buy, the amount of silver in them to... In Israel, they minted ones that are exact. If you use the Israeli, you know, you can use the five ones. But if you use American silver dollars, you need more than five, typically, unless you have the really old ones. But that's already been well-known. We learned that already. Tanina. You got to use five silver coins if you redeem a servant. And Shloshim Shel Evan. 30 of the servant. What was that talking about? Um... What was the servant money? Um, I think if somebody kills an Evan, he has to pay a penalty. Is that a penalty? Oh, thank you. Okay. It's if the ox gores, the Torah mentions a penalty. If somebody, the servants would be working the animals, and if a servant gets crushed by somebody's ox, uh, the um, uh, it's not a bull, um, you know, it's not a, a, a bullfighter, and he gets uh, gored, so then... Um, uh, they have to pay 30 silver coins. And Kamishim Sha'onesh, and if somebody is uh, uh, ravishes a woman, he's going to have to pay 50. Vishamafata, or if he seduces her, uh, so that's 50 silver coins. And what about a person marries a woman and he spreads slanders her? Mea Shomotzi Shemer, that's 100. So all of those coinage, Kula Beshekala Kodesh Memanatsuri, all of those are the, that's not 50 pennies over there. Those are big bucks. And the rabbis, they talk, t- talked about even the common currency, Kesel Medina. So our question is, so if, if we're coming to tell you that the Torah, when it talks about set amounts, it's talking about the silver coins, that's old hat. We already know that. So Lemur answers, it's circulated low to nine. We needed to list it because not every case was mentioned over there. 
What other cases are there where you got to pay money? We learned the following. What happens if somebody whacks there and gives somebody a slap? So you can take somebody to court for that. If they do that, they've harmed you. So no sin, no seller. You got to pay a seller for those damages. And uh, the question is, a seller was, was a typically a, an, a, an amount, so it, they had it in different currencies. It's almost like a dollar. You can have a, a, there's a silver dollar and a regular dollar. And a, um, so the seller also was different currencies. So if you slap somebody and he takes you to court, uh, so the question is, what, what do you got to pay? So don't say, it's, oh, I'll give you four cents. Ella, my seller, Palga de Zeus, um, he says that's the, uh, it's, it's not the four zoos, it's the half zoos. Because that's what uh, the coinage that was used. So that's, uh, uh, therefore, there are other cases where we didn't know. That's why it was repeated about the amounts uh, that are needed to satisfy uh, that requirement. Um, why do you pay a seller? Shouldn't it depend on uh, how much you hurt him or how insulted he was? So there is a Rashi here. It's about uh, 10 lines up on the left side. No sin, no stop. It's interesting. When you get slapped, it's not real damage. Like a person can go to work that day. He just turns red. You know, if somebody slaps someone in the face in front of everybody, it's like really insulting that this guy did this. So the average value for embarrassment. Um, it's interesting. I don't think in, in secular law, they don't talk about embarrassment. They talk about suffering but they don't talk about embarrassment. The, the Torah says, you embarrass somebody, you got to pay for that. So, um, but I, I believe so. Again, I have to ask our lawyers if they've ever, do they, can you charge somebody for, I was really embarrassed. Let's add on to the uh, amount we're suing for. They call that something, don't Yeah, I mean, there is pain and suffering that only if there's physical injury, then you can get the pain and suffering. You can't tell this was really embarrassing. You've got to pay me. <laughs> oh, so if there was no physical pain, they wouldn't be able to get money from their rent. Oh, okay. so it's a little different. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I can do that. So, uh, but it, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to know if you look at the Rashi when he uses the language, Hatokea Lechavero, it's specifically hitting him in the ear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's into We didn't do that, Rashi, which was, is, is, let's look at that real quickly. It's funny, interesting, the word tokea is like the tokea chauffeur, but that's in the ear. But he says, You hit him near the ear. Um, there there were, was, with kids, there used to be people that would tug a kid's ear, and it would really hurt. And I don't know why, where that came from or what that... Um, uh, Sometimes teachers did that to punish a kid. They would give a yank. And it was like excruciating. I remember as a kid that that was like not very pleasant to have your ear. Um, even in shul, like somebody just, this kid's got an ear, you give it a, it was like an open game on the ears. I don't know where that came from. The, uh, but uh, you're right. Somehow Rashi says that's the, uh, the, the penalty was if somebody whacked somebody's ear or the side of his face. Okay. Back to the Gemara. Oh, like take your hands and clap loud right next to the man's ear, even if you don't touch the ear, but you you know cause a big disturbance near the ear. That could be maybe. So um, that's interesting. Would you think you'd be able to sue for that? Uh, you startle him. You mean like you startle him? You like shouted in his ear? I've seen that too. But that, that that's 
hurt, well, I guess a person could get insulted. You know, he, he jumps if somebody screams mm. in his ear. Okay. There, um, okay, back to the mark. Uh, but that is an interesting Rashi. Rav Shem Belakish says a different reason. So now we're going to try another approach. Again, we're back to the first Mishnah. Beishamai said, you got, Sheva Prut is not enough. So answer number one was because it's a Torah currency and, and it, it's uh, the minimum of Torah currency is silver. Another answer. Rav Shem Belakish, time in the Beishamai, Kedachiskia. It's a different reason. The Omer Chizkia. Chizkia said, Omer Kra, the Hefta. It says, uh, a maidservant, when she wants to redeem herself, she's tired of working. Or her father, that if they get the money, they can buy her freedom. Now, she's supposed to work for several years, so they can, if she's worked already some, she'll get time off for the time she's worked. So if, in order to buy a Hebrew maidservant, at a minimum, you have to pay a dinner, a gold coin, so you can deduct from there until a pruta. But if you're going to say, when the Torah talked about selling her, you can even buy uh, for a pruta, the Yavle pruta, you can buy her for a penny. So then, how could she buy her freedom by paying less? Pruta, pruta, mi migra. He's trying to say that since the Torah discusses money by a maidservant, and it, dis- it discusses paying less money for time worked, and so, obviously, that money that we're talking about is a money that has uh, smaller coins that make up that money. Because otherwise, there'd be nothing to talk about. So if, if when the Torah talked about money, it meant the smallest currency, a penny, so there's no such thing as, pay, as, as paying part of that and getting out early, because there, there's no half a penny currency. So clearly, it was talking about a higher currency. That's the proof the Gemara wants to bring. The Dilma, the Gemara says, well, how do you know that's what it means? How could come Rahmana? Maybe the Torah is saying the following. Hey, Chadiyayv, lay dinner. If you, this was an expensive maid, Tigra ad pruta, then you could pay less. But hey, Chadiyayv, lay pruta. And, but if you paid her for a pruta, lo Tigra Klau, then you can't deduct anything. So that's the newest question on this last explanation. But you'll have to come back tomorrow to hear how we answer it. Have a great day.